Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come hang out with us. Our church service is Sunday morning at 1030. You can learn more about the church by visiting our website, which is calvary316.com. I do hope you stay with me over the next hour or so as we seek to do what we always do, and that's deconstruct the negative perception of Christians by boldly and brashly discussing today's relevant topics in an honest and genuine way. Today, uh, the guys are getting it ready. We're going to have Gary Bates, uh, who is with creation.com, a very smart guy. We're going to be talking about creationism, evolution. We're going to be talking about aliens. Again, this is going to be a great illustration of Christians having a conversation about real things in an intelligent, genuine way. So don't go anywhere. We're uh, gearing up to have Gary here any minute. While they're getting things ready, I do want to say that uh, we love to hear from you. Um, contact information is very simple here on the Outlaw Radio Show. Our email address is info at outlawradio.org. Um, you can also connect with us via Facebook, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Um, and we're also on Twitter. Our handle is at radio underscore outlaw. If you'd like to submit topics, challenge something that was said on the show, uh, or even just present things that you'd like uh, us to dive into, nothing's off limits. Please, please, please reach out to us. I do want to just very quickly uh, mention our website, which is outlawradio.org. And the reason I bring that up is that if you're not able to listen to this episode in its entirety, uh, you can check out our podcast. Every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted the easiest way. Go to the website. You'll see a tab that says podcast, and you can easily access uh, today's episode and all episodes on iTunes as well as Google Play. Um, I think the guys uh, have everything set up. Uh, Again, we're just very excited about today's episode. So here we go. I'd like to welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show, Gary Bates. Gary, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Uh, No problem. Can you explain kind of just to the audience in general uh, who you are, uh, what your expertise is, uh, a little bit of a a bio? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, first thing is uh, if people want to look more in depth, they can go to creation.com, type in my name, and uh, we have bios there not only on me but all of our qualified staff, which are scientists and theologians. Um, And obviously from the name creation.com, we're a ministry that deals with the whole creation versus evolution uh, issue. Obviously, there are only two views in the world uh, about how you and I and the universe came to be, either God created or like we read in Genesis 1-1, or you and I are the the byproduct of chance random processes of a big bang 14 billion years ago. And uh, most people believe, of course, that evolution is science, in quote marks, as, you know, in terms of the same sort of science that builds radio stations and can send men to the moon, but uh, when we're dealing with events in the past, either creation or evolution, we're dealing with alleged historical events, uh, in which case no one was there to see. Uh, Personally, I am uh, Australian, as you can hear. I moved to the States uh, in 2009 to head up the US Office of Creation Ministries International, and uh, we're a parachurch ministry. We deal uh, or speak in about 330 churches a year alone in the U.S. We go to the church because most people, most Christians, our families have all been educated in the secular realm and they just are completely unaware in my experience that we have loads and loads and loads of scientific, historical, archaeological evidence to support the Bible's history on this issue of origins. I would like to start right there. Um, one of the challenges that I think the church faces is is really what you just summarized. Most of us go to public schools, public education, public colleges. Um, we're only getting one half um, of the scientific story or the presentation of the, the various theories. And so many Christians are really just ignorant when it comes to um, what the Bible says about our origin. Um, can you kind of in beginning in that point, discuss what you found to be kind of the most alarming thing about just the church's uh, ignorance about these things, and then the ramifications that has um, sure, for absolutely. our ability well, to minister. Yeah, yeah, I've been in ministry nearly for thirty years. In fact, this year, 
and uh, we have eight speakers here uh, in the U.S. office, which include our PhDs. We go out to churches, as I said, on a regular basis. Uh, the most startling thing is how many parents come up to us and say, you know, what did we do wrong? Our son and daughter were in the church, and then they got to college, and and we lost them. And cross-denominationally, um, stats will show. Uh, Barna Research, even the Christian Research Organization, have shown that even while still in the church in their latter teens, one in three Christian kids has already made up their mind that they're going to leave the church when they get on their own. Uh, I'm in Atlanta, the heartland of the Southern Baptists. Their own survey cites 88% of their children leave the faith after one year in college. So what happens is, I think, uh, and, I, and I don't mean this as a criticism, it's just trying to create awareness of the issue. We see our young ones, they're in Sunday school, uh, they're in the youth group, they're powering on for the Lord, they can't wait to get to church on Friday night and have fun. And then what happens when they get to college they get, uh, it, it, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between, well, you know, I heard that God created the world in six 24-hour days, but my biology teacher, my physics lecturer, is showing me all of this, in inverted commas, evidence to show that the world is billions of years old. Now, what happens generally in the church, what we encounter, there are pastors, parents, leaders, who have tried to reconcile what they think is science, but it's actually an evolutionary interpretation of the world or the universe, well, maybe God used evolution to create. Uh, maybe the days in Genesis are billions of years each. And we think we're trying to save the Bible. But again, I'm sorry to sound like I'm arguing from authority. In my experience, this actually leads our young ones on the slippery slope uh, to unbelief. And if I could just go on for a couple more minutes, yes, I can demonstrate this firsthand. Because as I said, there are surveys, there are books written about this. So two years ago, I just took a small film crew and I went on to college campuses uh, around Atlanta. And I stood there and I, as the students came past, I just asked four questions. And the first one was, were you raised in the church or not? And if they said no... We let them move on. We one of these kids that said they were raised in the church. The next question, out of all of these hundreds of kids we surveyed, by the way, over multiple campuses, I said, creation or evolution, what's true? That's all I asked. And out of the hundreds of students, and these were kids who were raised in the church, only five said they still believed in biblical creation. And so the next question was, when you were in the church, did your pastors, parents, leaders, anybody show you the wealth of scientific evidence we have to support biblical creation? Every single student who was raised in the church but now believed in evolution, every single one said they'd never been shown any evidence. The handful of kids who still believed, each one said they had been shown evidence. And so the last question was, do you still attend church or not? And all those students who now believed in evolution that were raised in the church except for one young man, <laughs> and we put him in our video to show that we were not stacking the deck, no longer attends church today. Uh, the handful of kids who, who were taught biblical creation or even just exposed to it, every one of them still attends church. And later on when I'm talking to them and questioning them, it's not even that they got all the answers, but by having a creation presentation or being shown information or even being exposed to websites like ours, creation.com, which has over 12,500 articles, they knew there were answers if they ever got challenged. They knew there was somewhere they, were, could, they could look. And so, like you said at the beginning, when they get to college, only hearing one view, most of the emails we get, people think, we don't have answers. That's the problem. They think you know, Christianity is just a blind faith and there's no real-world evidence to support what we believe. What would you say is the biggest fundamental flaw in the theory of evolution? Like, the easiest thing to poke a hole in? Well, let me deal with uh, one that's arguably the most controversial, which is the age of the Earth. You know, they say the Earth is 4.5 billion years old, and we get a biblical age, you know, clearly even in the New Testament when Jesus says, in Matthew and uh, Mark, that they were there at the beginning of creation. We can look at the genealogies in the Gospels of Luke. You can tra trace Jesus' ancestry all the way back through Solomon and David and Abraham and Adam, and they were there at the beginning. 
and then we have the chronogenealogies in Genesis 5 and 11, and we most certainly only get a creation date of about 6,000 years ago. And so you can see there immediately there's a huge disparity, and, and the problem is, is people say, well, most people wouldn't say billions of years unless there's scientific evidence. So every time I or my speakers go to church and, and well-meaning Christians come up and say, you know, why are you so dogmatic about the age of the earth? I simply turn around and ask them one question. Tell me why you think the earth is old. Tell me why you think it's old in terms of billions of years. And in all of these years, I've never had a, sim a, a, a single lay Christian turn around to me and tell me why they think the earth is old. They've just accepted the secular evolutionary interpretation. Then I have to point out and I say, so what you're doing is you're listening to non-Christian scientists, right, who don't believe in God and listening to their interpretation and then trying to apply that interpretation to Scripture. So what would be the scientific evidence for um, a biblical um, understanding of the age of the earth being around 6,000 years old? So those students I interviewed in that campaign, and by the way, if people want to have a look, they can go to creation.com forward slash fallout. They can watch a two-and-a-half-minute trailer. Afterwards, I said to them, what is your best evidence that you think is evolution is true? 90% of them said the fossil record, 90%. Then they said things like human-chimp DNA similarity, which is actually a 30-year-old argument that's now known to be incorrect, and even the evolutionists know that. So guess what? It's still being taught in our colleges. And then they'd say things like genetics, changes in creatures, which creationists accept as part of the creation model. But when they mean the fossil record... So we've all seen those pictures of the geologic columns in our textbooks. You've got these epochs down the side. You've got the Cretaceous period. And, you know, down at the bottom, you've got the Precambrian and the Cambrian. They're based generally upon segments of rocks, one of a simpler explanation. So bunches of geological strata. And then in that strata, they generally find fossils according. So they think that is an evolutionary interpretation of millions of years of time represented by the rocks and then the fossils is a record of evolutionary development biology on the earth but that is the easiest thing for us to explain as creationists right because the bible says in genesis 6 there was a global flood um, hundreds of tribal people groups around the world who do not have a bible have stories and historical uh, hand-me-downs of a worldwide flood that destroyed the earth and a handful of people and animals were saved. And they've all got corruptions of that idea because they don't have the Bible. And then we've got modern events. In fact, this was one of the things that turned me from an old earth evolutionist into a Bible-believing creationist was the uh, event at Mount St. Helens in Washington State in the 1980s when Mount St. Helens exploded. And within hours, it laid down very complex, layered geological formations. So catastrophism can lay down the same sort of geology that evolutionists interpret as millions of years. So when I say to Christians, why do you think the earth is old? No one ever mentions the geologic layers. They think it's radiometric dating or something like this. So we as Christians actually have an eyewitness account written down passed on, on to us, obviously, from Noah and subsequent generations. Evolutionists don't have any eyewitness record that that geologic strata was laid down millions of years ago. Um, and we now know that geological strata can be formed quickly. And I've even spoken with secular geologists, and I said, look, just, just putting you know, our biases aside for a moment, if there really was a worldwide global flood, understanding what catastrophic events can do and, and lay down geology quicker. If there really was a worldwide flood, just be honest with me, what would you expect the evidence to be? And we kind of get to the agreement, we'd expect to find you know, thousands and thousands of meters of sedimentary layers with dead things in them. Well, guess what? You go digging in your backyard and get a further down enough, you'll find lots of geological layers with dead things in them. They say millions of years of Earth's history, we say it's evidence of Noah's flood. So the number one belief for evolutionists and hijacks our young Christians 
is that the geologic record is somehow an evidence of evolutionary history and deep time on the Earth. Well, we can look at exactly the same rocks, exactly the same fossils, and look at them through a biblical lens and understand uh, that these things were laid down very, very rapidly. From your expert position, just doing this for years and having the type of conversations you've had over really a, a wide spectrum um, of various fields and scientists, etc., uh, what are some of the biggest misconceptions uh, that the secular world, and, and even those sitting in our own pews, have of creationism as a whole? And I know that's very broad, but what are the biggest misconceptions you've found? Uh, the biggest mix- misconception is that we don't have any evidence to support what we believe. And um, you know, most, most Christians and evolutionists have actually never, ever heard a decent creationist presentation. And that's why our ministry is a little different to most of the other creation ministries out there, is that we're a very much a bottom-up, not a top-down approach. We don't presume that Christians understand. But when I go to church on a Sunday morning or one of my speakers, uh, and we, we talk to Christians, we're there to present the evidence. And those Christians are not at church on Sunday morning to hear Gary Bates. They're there because it's church. And then what we find is after hearing a 45-minute presentation, the lights go on. They didn't realize that there's all this evidence to support the Bible. And moreover, that adding millions of years and or evolution to the scriptures violates the gospel. And let me explain why that is. Because, as I said, the Bible clearly teaches a thousands of years old time frame for creation. If we accept the secular interpretation of the geologic column, even if you don't believe in millions of years, if you try to add millions, uh, sorry, even if you don't believe in evolution, if you try to add millions of years to the scripture, then millions of years comes from the rock layers. Well, when I said there's fossils in those rock layers, that's actually a record of death. We see diseases, cancers. And so if Adam and Eve only lived a few thousand years ago, the only place you can put that geologic column from a secular or a secular interpretation of it, is beneath them. So Adam and Eve would have been stood on this fossil graveyard of millions of years of death and suffering of history, and then God says at the end of day six, it was very good. There's Hmm. the theological problem. So just to recap, even if you don't believe in evolution, but you add millions of years to the scripture, the millions of years come from the rock layers, there's death in that rock layers, we've just put death before the fall, and that creates a gospel problem. So the first misconception of creationism is that um, you know, there is evidence. There is evidence to support the position. Um, let me ask, is there scientific consensus? Because you hear that all the time. Well, there's uh, forget about creationism because no serious scientist believes in that stuff anyway. And you'll get that on the university almost if you bring up a question l- laughed off the stage. Is there scientific consensus pertaining to evolution and does that tie into these misconceptions about creationism yeah it does um you know i'll give you an example evolutionists say in their biology classes look you can see evolution happening creatures change over time look at all the different dogs look at all the different horses now dogs do change you can get chihuahuas and great danes but their variation in what the bible calls a created kind and so Modern science, modern scientists have developed a classification system which they call species. So, for example, lions and tigers have been classified as separate species, but actually lions and tigers can hybridize. They can breed. Every single member of the cat family can interbreed. So can the horse family, right? So if you look at human beings, the Bible says that Adam and Eve were created, and we look at all the the changes we see in human beings, what we think are racial differences. But the differences in our human genome amongst all peoples all over the world are less than 1% of our DNA. So we, we actually have now, because of modern science, demonstrable examples where evolutionary predictions or evolutionary paradigms have been falsified. They're, they're absolutely wrong. Darwin... He believed that the so-called black races were more primitive. But you know what? Um, as I said, we're 99, more than 99% genetically similar, all people on this planet. And when creatures change over time, just imagine. So just imagine you've got a, let's use dogs, because everyone's familiar with dogs and we can artificially breed dogs. If we've got dogs with short fur, medium length fur, and long fur, 
and we've got variation within a population and, we, and the environment gets cold or we throw them into somewhere like Alaska, the dogs with long fur will survive. And they go, wow, look, that's evolution. Now, that's called natural selection, which is real. But nature can only select from what is already present in the population. Mm. They were already long-furred dogs. So when they reproduce, they'll only produce dogs after long fur, and that population gets specialized, speciated, where the word species comes from, to its environment. But for evolution to be true, Zach, you've got to turn pond scum into people. And that requires encyclopedias worth of new genetic information to be added. Evolutionists say natural selection plus mutations, mutations that are a copying mistake in the genome, are the mechanism. But, but what I've just ex uh, given you an example of is when nature selects long-furred dogs, you've now culled the genetic information for short and medium fur from the population. So what we actually see occurring in the real world is a loss of genetic information when creatures can become specialized, not an increase in genetic information. It's the opposite of what evolution requires. And in fact, every, every organism we've looked at, including human beings, something is occurring known as genetic entropy, which means uh, every generation is increasingly becoming more mutant than the one prior. Our human genome is decaying and natural selection cannot arrest the decline. Again, scientific evidence to show it's the opposite of what evolution predicted and also what we see, real science, observable, testable, repeatable stuff uh, in the real world. With the five minutes that we have remaining in this block, um, I want to take a step back and just kind of look at, look at all of this from a more macro perspective. Why do you believe that there is such a rejection um, within our secular culture, within uh, progressive science, the scientific community? Why is there such a rejection um, of creationism and intelligent design? What's the core uh, motivation uh, when there being an intelligence behind all of this seems really rational and logical, and yet it's so adamantly rejected um, and ostracized? Well, yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, this is very simple. Um, even though I've been talking about scientific scientific stuff, Zach, it's not about science. It's about whether there's a God or not. Um, you know, wise man once wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. I'll give you an example. Uh, you've probably heard of Professor Richard Dawkins. He's the world's most prominent Darwinian evolutionist, former professor for the public understanding of science at Oxford. Um, his books become Amazon bestsellers. He's a consultant to the British government. Some years ago, there was a movie called Expelled, and he was interviewed on that. And Ben Stein talked to him. Now, this is Dawkins, who wrote a book called The Blind Watchmaker, uh, which was a parody or refutation of a well-known creationist a couple of hundred years ago called William Paley. Paley said, if you saw a watch in the sand on the beach or a clock, you would not think that the actions of the wind and the wave and the sand had produced that. He said you'd see complex mechanisms and you'd see design. Well, Dawkins says, no, given enough time and chance, the actions of the wind and the wave could produce it. It's a bit of a silly argument, but that's what he believes. And so when he was questioned on that movie Expelled by Ben Stein at the end, Ben Stein was kind of challenging him over that and saying, look, we now know the genome is incredibly well designed. Dawkins has even said, biology is the study of complicated things that appear to be designed, but are not. And then, you know, you could have blown me over with a feather when at the end he says, well, I don't know, maybe aliens are our creators. <laughs> So that's become mainstream science today. They believe in a billions of years old universe. Aliens have evolved, you know, a million years in advance of us on the evolutionary scale. They're a million years advanced in their technology. They visited the Earth and seeded some primordial DNA here and allowed, you know, evolution to take over. So the big issue there, and what I'm pointing out is he is happy to actually agree with intelligent design, isn't he? If he's saying aliens are our creators but it's not the God of the Bible. Because guess what, Zach? You and I would not be accountable to aliens. We'd not be morally accountable to aliens. Maybe when we die and there's no life after death, of course, it gets us off the hook. So the issue is simply about whether there is a creator, God or not. And of course, if there is, then we are all morally accountable to him. So the core justification for science ends up being a refusal 
concerning a spiritual belief? Yeah, I don't think many go into the sciences understanding that. But certainly when you get people who have been exposed to the creation message or have thought about it a lot, I mean, Dawkins writes books um, shooting down the creation arguments, um, but then refuses to acknowledge his overriding presuppositional bias before he ever looks at the evidence. Um, so I said earlier, we've got the same facts, we've got the same rocks, we've got the same fossils, and creation scientists look at them with the lens, believing that the Bible's true. Evolutionists think they're just dealing with science, but they're not. You know, you can't, you can't repeat or observe or test the belief that humans evolved from ape-like creatures two million years ago, or the dinosaurs evolved into birds 65 million years ago. And dinosaurs is a good example if we've got just a minute left. We do. We have good physical scientific evidence to show, for example, that dinosaurs did not die out 65 million years ago. They say they lived from 300 to 65 million years ago. Well, if that's the case, 65 million years ago was the time the last dinosaur roamed the earth. How come we find unfossilized blood cells? How come we find ligament, flesh, unfossilized DNA in dinosaur fossils that are supposed to be at least 65 million years old? Right? They would say, well, it's an anomaly and we don't know how it got there. That still doesn't refute the idea, or in their case, the belief that it's 65 million years old. I think it does refute that, and it fits in with the creation, the biblical account that creation was a few thousand years ago. Well, if that's the case, you might expect to find... Uh, dinosaur tissue, flesh, and blood cell, unfossilized blood cells uh, in fossils if they're not millions of years old and they're only thousands of years old. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Gary Bates here, our guest. Uh, Gary's going to stay with us for the next block, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The biblical account of creation is one of the most foundational doctrines that we need to understand as believers in Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Zach Adams has a very special guest on the Outlaw Radio Show, Gary Bates of Creation Ministries International. You can learn more about Gary Bates' ministry and the rest of the team at creation.com. Again, that's creation.com. Don't go anywhere. Zach will be back with part two of his interview of Gary Bates of Creation Ministries International. listening to the Outlaw Radio Show, here's Pastor Zach and special guest Gary Bates of Creation Ministries International. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. I am joined by Gary Bates. And in our previous block, he really set the stage perfectly for something else I want to talk about. We find ourselves, um, in our culture particularly, um, more and more infatuated with not just the supernatural world, but the alien world. Gary, you've recently written a book about aliens. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, actually, not recently. It's been out for over 10 years, but oh, wow. uh, okay. it's still going extremely well. Uh, it's previously been a, an Amazon Top 50 bestseller due to the subject matter. And uh, last year was released, uh, made into a major motion picture and released in, uh, in around, around theaters around the world. So... The book's called Alien Intrusion, UFOs and the Evolution Connection. And the, the movie, which is now on DVD, is called Alien Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception. People can get them off creation.com uh, or even, even off Amazon. Now, I'm going to ask you the most obvious question in a minute. But before I get to it, and the audience, I'm, I'm sure, is anticipating, are aliens real or not? We'll get to it in a moment. I want to just, again, kind of take a step back. Why do you believe that there is this cultural obsession even as we're recording this episode there is a facebook movement um, of individuals that are trying to uh, get millions of people to crash um, area 51 to find uh, you know the evidence that a few right. days ago, actually yeah so why this fascination do you believe well think about it this way uh, just imagine 150 years ago um you know if a farmer's in his field and he saw some lights in the sky behaving strangely what would he think he hasn't been exposed to science fiction movies. 
uh, with the idea of, you know, aliens in their hyperdrive spaceship flitting around the galaxy. Uh, he, he's never been taught evolution. Uh, he doesn't really understand much about the size of the solar system or the universe. Uh, he might think, well, it's something spiritual, like an angel or a demon, perhaps. But today, when anybody looks up in the sky and sees something they don't understand, and by the way, 95% of all UFOs can be explained, as in, you know, um, aircraft or the International Space Station going overhead or weather anomalies, they look up and they go, wow, that might be a UFO. But a UFO doesn't mean unidentified flying objects anymore. It's come to mean, you know, an alien spaceship with, with ETs on board. And most of our science fiction today, now that can be wrong, by the way, I, I love science fiction, but, you know, I always point out, you have to remember, it's science fiction. The <laughs> unspoken sometimes, that whole basis of most modern science fiction, whether it's things like even Avengers, is that evolution is actually occurring all over the universe. And so when those aliens look different to us, it's because evolution took a different turn on their planet. So when you, so evolution's at the bottom of that, and then it's helped us also understand how enormous our universe is, and what it causes us to do is it causes us, and even Christians I've experienced, to look up and say, wow, I wonder what else is out there. Right? When the Bible, and I have a very simplistic approach to the Bible, I take it at face value, it says the universe is the way it is because it declares the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. How many scriptures are like that in the Bible? So when we look at the size of the universe, it's not because it's an ancient billions of years old universe that's expanded out of you know, a primordial a quantum particle uh, and became everything. It's a recognition of the fact that our God was there before the universe began. He he doesn't exist in the universe. Our universe, when it was when it came into being, created time. So therefore, God is beyond time. He's timeless. Doesn't have a beginning in the end. So we're talking about a supernatural, above nature creator. And when I look out and look at what he made, you know, we should look up and say, "My God, you know, what is man? You are mindful of him." Because when we think about the size of the universe, you know, he chose this little rocky planet to create life. And then when it went wrong, that same incredible creator came here to redeem us, to take our place so we could be reconciled back to him. So we can talk about what people see and, and what's behind it. But ultimately, I think that is why people uh, look out there. We're fascinated with the future. Uh, even in Christian circles, obviously, we love the prophetic and what the end times is going to be. But I think that we've got to be careful about being preoccupied with it. And the concept of life evolving on other planets is also a problem for the gospel, of course. I don't consider myself conspiratorial. You mentioned in the, the previous block that one of the the scapegoats that Dawkins has been employing, and, and I've heard others, is that you know we're, we're incorporating alien life. Um, as now a justification for an evidence of evolution that lacks one. Um, do you think that that has a factor in, in this becoming more accepted, alien life in serious academia? Oh, absolutely. In fact, we can go back 60 years. Uh, I wrote an article in 2003 on creation.com celebrating the 50th anniversary of the discovery of the DNA molecule by Francis Crick and James Watson. Crick was an ardent atheist. He said one of the reasons he entered sciences was to disprove the notion of a supernatural creator. But when he was confronted with all this information on the DNA code, and, and look, most people don't know, in, in, a, in any of the trillions of cells in our body, if I could take a single strand of your DNA and my DNA out of the nucleus of any of those cells, we've got three billion letters of information. Now, to spell... Zach Adams or Gary Bates, you've got to have those letters in the right combination to spell out that information code. Randomness doesn't give you that information. And all of those three billion letters, it's a thousand Bibles worth of information, have to be in exactly the right spot at the right place to tell the cells what to build and to do all sorts of other jobs. So Crick, even with his limited understanding of that, realized he was looking at information. Information, that a semblance of that code can only come from an information giver. But because he was an atheist, he dreamed up the idea that aliens may have created it. And today, you know, we've decoded the human genome. 
we understand the complexity of information. Our, our cells have been described as cities with factories and highways and communication systems. You know, cities don't grow up by chance, by, you know, an explosion in a local brick factory. So when people apply the idea of aliens, yes, uh, I'm not a conspiratorialist either, but for some people the whole notion of a god, and one of the problems is, is that people make god in their image, they say, well, he's, he's, a, he's a being and somehow he's finite like you and I. He can't have that power to create a universe. And that's why I was at pains to say earlier, you know, that he's supernatural. What does supernatural mean? Above nature. When we see miracles in the Bible, they're not a violation of natural law. They're a supernatural God who's beyond the time-space universe enacting his will upon matter that he created to turn water into wine and to raise the dead and so on. So someone that is beyond the time and space universe that he made is not limited by the laws of physics that he created for that universe. So to me, you know, either, either there was, you know, a, an explosion of time and space and it created everything or the only thing that really makes sense is there's an intelligence because we can see order uh, and complexity in the genome of every creature and in the universe a supernatural being who preceded the universe that he made. Uh, and that's the only thing that really makes sense to me when I when I look at the evidence around us. So in an interesting irony, the entire alien conversation ends up being a concession for intelligent design based on the evidence that we see. Well, we can't explain this without a measure of intelligence. We won't concede there's God. So now we're going to we're going to relegate our arguments to alien life, alien creatures, etc. It, it blows my mind. You mentioned earlier 95% of what um, is seen um, can be explained through natural phenomenon, but that leaves 5%. So let's get to the question. Are aliens real? Okay. Well, again, as Christians, if I could be very blunt here uh, with our listeners, you know, so many people come up and say, well, there might be multiple universes, or maybe God did this, or maybe God did that. Uh, we need to stop that. It should never be about what God might have done, could have done, should have done. We are Christians, first and foremost, because when we read the Bible, it helps us understand God's creator, there was a fall, you and I are sinners, and God did something about it. So that's, we get all of our knowledge about what it is to be a Christian from the Bible. So when we start coming up with ideas about what God could have done or might have done, we're stepping outside the Bible. And if we have a Bible-first approach, it's very clear that the Bible does not allow for aliens. Now, most Christians struggle with that, and the reason is is because of the size of the universe. Again, well, why would he have created it so big just for us? Again, we're putting God in our image. It's, it's not big to him if he's the one that created it. But let's work through a, a few gospel or f a few passages. In Genesis 3, the fall, okay, when God created the heavens and the earth, it affected the heavens and the earth. We know that because at the end of time, when God destroys this creation... He's going to say, it says, the heavens and earth, the same ones that he, he created in Genesis 1, are reserved for destruction. So there are no unfallen parts of our universe. So Adam's sin, and subsequently ours, because we've inherited that sin nature, have affected the whole of creation. That's why God's got to make a new one. So just imagine this, Zach. If God, you know, I often say, if God created Vulcans out there, you know, Poor old Mr. Spock and his counterparts get diseases, cancers, die because of what Adam did. Here's another problem for them. For these sentient, intelligent, you know, morally self-aware beings like Vulcans, okay, is they can't be saved. Because you've got to be a descendant of Adam to be saved. Jesus was the last Adam because he came to overturn the effects of the first Adam. It says in Isaiah, Jesus is our kinsman. Redeemer in Hebrews it says it's not angels he helps but Abraham's descendants so you've got to be a descendant of Adam to be saved so we are Christ's bride throughout eternity he's not going to be crucified and raised again on another planet the Bible says Christ died once for all so summing up the heavens and earth have been uh, corrupted by sin God's going to create a new heavens and earth. So aliens who've been affected by the curse through no fault of their own, they can't be saved because they're not descendants of Adam, are going to get rubbed out at the end of time when God restores it all. And that would make God unjust to punish 
these sentient, self-aware, intelligent beings, you know, the type of intelligence that can build hyperdrive spaceships and visit the Earth if people think God created UFOs. And, of course, that's something he's not. But people listening might say, well, hang on, he's wrong because I've seen something or I've had an experience. And you know what? Um, many people have. So I'm not a debunker, but I'm saying that when people have a, a visitation in their room or they're driving their car and they see something and they see a light and then that's the last thing they remember and they wake up hours later, which is the common view, common story. People actually can have these real experiences and they go off to a UFO research center because that's what they think they saw and they get hypnotically regressed and they have stories about going on board a spaceship and they've even claimed to have met Jesus on the spaceship and, and Buddha and Muhammad and all these you know, religious figures that are apparently all working together in peace and harmony, and it's you evangelical Christians, you fuddy-daddies that have got it wrong, you need to embrace the new age where everybody's living in some, you know, ecumenical paradise. You can look yeah. at the secular research, and they, they don't, people don't have to believe me, they can tell you that that's actually what's happening. One of the things that I appreciate about you and your ministry and what you guys do is uh, is you take the Bible at face value, and instead of trying uh, to fit uh, your your Bible into science, uh, you use your Bible to make sense of science. Um, I think the same is applicable here. So you do have, you know, a lot of people that claim to have particular experiences. Yes, ninety five percent can be explained through natural phenomenon, but there are a percentage of, of people that are true, genuine believers, and there are things that, that people see um, uh, that, that are very mysterious. So looking, using the Bible to try to make sense of these things, um, what is the explanation? Sure. Well, in the 20-plus years I've been researching this, the most popular view about how aliens were getting here was that you, know, you see on science fiction. Uh, these advanced aliens, advanced on the evolutionary scale and therefore, you know, years ahead of us in their technology are building warp drive spaceships and flying around and visiting Earth. Uh, with what we actually know about science, we know that you cannot travel faster than the speed of light within our physical time-space universe. And then often we see these lights, this small percentage we can't explain, they appear, they disappear, they've been tracked on radar, fighter jets have gone after them and they've disappeared they merge into one another at incredible speeds and do right angle turns without slowing down if people look at the movie they'll see a, um, some snippets from uh, a, a gathering at the Washington Press Club by 80 Air Force officers who have right. a lot more to lose than to gain by telling their yeah. stories given mm -hmm. their experience of these things um, so the evidence appears that with these craft that they would use the term they're interdimensional or they're coming from another realm or dimension. So the most popular view today amongst ufologists is uh, the interdimensional hypothesis. And then coupled with that, but here's the problem. See, you and I can't kind of lasso a UFO and bring it in and do scientific tests on it. We only see it in the sky or we see lights. But there's an area uh, where a poll once claimed that up to 4 million Americans had been abducted by aliens and I said earlier their experiences can be real and and you know when these people go looking for help you know sadly they've even gone to the church because a lot of us have a bit of a Christian background and it's so weird that we don't know what to do with it and we go well it's all demonic or something like that which it may well be but by saying that you've kind of just shut somebody down and not validated their experience you know, I, 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 was, I was being interviewed the other day and I said on air that you know, it's not exactly something you can go to work and talk around the water cooler with, with your colleagues the next day. You know, I was abducted by aliens, taken on a spaceship, I was medically examined and all these horrible things done to me. And so what happens is they go off to UFO research centers and we have a lot of them in the States. MUFON, which is the world's largest, they've got representatives in virtually you know, every city and lots of counties. Um, they get welcomed. And you can imagine, it's, they get embraced and it's, hey, we got people like you just here, um, you know, don't worry. And they get this feeling of community and acceptance and unfortunately that drives them deeper into the deception. And in the movie, incredibly, uh, we found some footage where Dr. John Mack, who's the former professor of Harvard Medical School, he was an atheist 
Uh, he didn't believe in Christianity or the Bible, but he heard about all these people having experiences. And we got an interview with him on the Oprah show. And here's a guy from Harvard Medical School. He said, well, I was a skeptic, but I've interviewed and hypnotically regressed so many people now. They come from all different walks of life. He says, and their experiences are very, very similar. And he became a believer into the view that something was really happening to these people. And then later on, we get another snippet where he's being interviewed by another PhD psychologist. And listen to this, Zach. This guy from Harvard Medical School, a Pulitzer Prize winning author, says, what we are dealing with are spirit beings who should have stayed in their realm, who have crossed over and interfered in ours. And he likens it to a kind of intervention to awaken us to new spiritual realities. So all of that is to say the evidence of the phenomena itself when it's examined fits the spiritual realm. And that's what these secular people say themselves. So people don't have to believe me. It's not Gary Bates trying to shoehorn the evidence into his Christian worldview. But it fits what the Bible says because the Bible has said, always said there's a spiritual realm. We've always understood there's been a deception coming from that spiritual realm. And the leading ufologists say today... Do not get involved with this. We have enough historical records now to know that it's dangerous. People suffer PTSD. Their lives are changed. They've been abused. There's all sorts of damage that comes from being associated uh, with this phenomenon. And it's fruit, of course, obviously, in keeping with the evil one. Uh, I said at the beginning, nothing new under the sun. Hundreds of years ago, people had similar experiences with, with you know, beings of their own culture. People had experiences with fairies, but you would laugh today if a, if a being stood at the bottom of your bed and said, I'm a fairy, but people are quite happy to believe, hey, I'm a being from a galaxy far, far away. I've chosen you. You're special. And for people who've never been in a church, that's a life changing experience. Gary, I really appreciate you being on the show with the 30 seconds we have. Can you let the audience know how they can learn more about these topics, how they can get in touch with you guys? Absolutely. Uh, we answer hundreds of questions every week on creation.com. I encourage people to use the search engine. There's rarely a question we don't get that's not there. We've got a web store where people can buy uh, books like The Answers Books. Uh, you know, who did Cain marry? Uh, what about dinosaurs? What about the races? And, of course, you know, what about UFOs? And some of the resources that I've mentioned there, um, people could literally spend years on that site and not exhaust uh, the information. Thank you so much for being uh, on the Outlaw Radio Show. Again, that was creation.com. Hope you'll come back soon. All right. Bless you guys. Again, I just want to point out that Gary Bates's website, uh, the ministry that he's involved with is creation.com. I'm actually on the site right now. Man, it is filled with just a plethora of wonderful articles, um, tons of information. And so if you're if you're dealing with evolution, creationism, aliens, everything in, in this realm of topic, uh, man, I'm telling you, uh, a great, great resource. Just go creation.com. Super easy to find. Creation Ministries International. Also, just want to take a minute, and he didn't ask me to do this, but I just want to reiterate, uh, amazon.com. Uh, go search for alien intrusion, UFOs, and the evolution connection. Uh, a book written by Gary, who did a bunch of research on this particular topic, unpacking this baffling phenomenon. Um, it is a fantastic book, one of Amazon's top 50 bestsellers. Again, Alien Intrusion, UFOs, and the Evolution Connection. Check out the book. Visit the website, creation.com. Well, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show, if you like what you heard. I want to encourage you to do two things. First, contact your local Christian radio station and tell them you're thankful they're carrying this type of programming in your community. Second thing is visit our website. Our website is outlawradio.org from the site. You can easily access our podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google Play. You can listen to this episode in its entirety. So if you were only catching part of it on the radio, go to the podcast, download it. You can listen to the full interview with Gary Bates as well as all of our previous episodes. Finally, it's very important to us to connect with you, the listening audience. There's three ways that you can reach out to us. Twitter, at Radio underscore Outlaw. Email, info at outlawradio.org. Or follow us via facebook.com slash Outlaw. Once again, I'm Zach Adams, and I hope you join me again this time next week for the Outlaw Radio Show.
You've been listening to the one and only Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. As mentioned, if you like what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter or check out our website by visiting outlawradio.org. To listen again to today's show, access our daily two-minute broadcast or full-length episodes, check out the Outlaw Radio podcast, available on both iTunes and Google Play. Once again, don't forget, we want to hear from you. If you have questions, want to challenge something that was said, or would like to submit topics you'd like to hear Zach discuss on air, you can either email us at info at outlawradio.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 678-883-3316. Finally, programs like Outlaw Radio are wonderful tools God can use to change lives. But as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. First, if you're not tithing to your local church, you need to do so. And yet, if God has laid it upon your heart to extend your generosity above and beyond your tithe, we'd ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Outlaw Radio. Every donation ensures this show remains on your local station. To learn how you can become a financial partner, please visit outlawradio.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We hope you join us again next week for the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions.